0: you're listening to giants croncast a podcast chronicling the san francisco giants featuring brian murphy and doug brazoni part of ffsn fans first sports network uh well we're 21
1: games into the season and um i don't know i guess if we were younger doug we might be like so that happened
0: That's weird. I can't. I can't even. What does that even mean? Really? (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) Just just looking at the pitching staff. What are those?
1: (laughs) Uh, We're looking at Brandon Crawford's line. Oh, I just threw up in my mouth. Oh, (laughs) we are recording this as the Giants are still playing their game against the Mets. So we are kind of doing a choose your own adventure intro but we could start there (laughs) you know i wrote earlier in the week that or actually it was just a tweet but i tweeted you know if the giants come out of the series 8 and 13 that's not so bad that's not so bad and and you
0: kind of wrote to that effect yeah i mean because a lot of people don't remember this after everything else that happened last year. The last year, the Giants started out um, fourteen and seven, and then they fell apart. But what that means is that even if you start seven and fourteen, you can still kind of have a resurgence. Um, you know, we're, the season's story isn't isn't completely written in April. Uh, so yes, they've looked bad over the first few weeks. They have had their issues, but. Um, I would say, you know, there's still, there's still kind of hope for the team. There's still a lot of reasons that what, what went wrong early, uh, won't continue to go wrong. And, uh, you don't have to give up on the Giants just yet. I know it's tempting. I've, I've said to myself, I should just give up on the Giants and find another hobby, but I haven't done it. Is that because I'm stupid? (laughs) Maybe that could be because I'm stupid. That's probably why. But, uh, <laughs> but you don't have to.
1: <laughs> so the Giants went three and four this week. And uh, before we get into all that, uh, there is one thing I want to talk about first. Uh, earlier this week, I got a direct message on Twitter from Andrew Bader, who is a longtime listener of the podcast, All Iterations, <laughs> and has sent us in questions and has been a big supporter and really appreciate uh, his help over the years, uh, boosting the signal. But he's now trying to get us to boost a much more important signal. And uh, that is one of his students. He's a teacher. They lost everything in in an apartment fire um, about eight, nine days ago now. And they even lost the family dog. Uh, his apartment fire building displaced 14 residents. So his students, whole family, all their possessions, the family dog. It's a tragedy. It's one of the worst things uh, every family I've met who lost something in a fire or just, you know, lost a house or whatever, it changes, you know, it changes you quite a lot. And in this case, this family needs some financial assistance. I can't imagine the lurch that they're in right now. They've set up a GoFundMe. The direct link is www.gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash my family start over my family start over. Uh, it's a twenty five thousand dollar goal, like I said, and they've re they've raised seventeen thousand three hundred of it uh, so far. This is a Bay Area family. This is a San Francisco family. It's in uh, San Francisco, so uh, if you're if you're a Giants fan. And if you're uh, sympathetic to elementary school students, uh, if you're sympathetic to families who have lost their pet, take a look at it. If you can't give right now, which is understandable, maybe you could help spread the word, post it on your Facebook, retweet it. Uh, the Giants Croncast Twitter account recently retweeted it. Uh, you can find it anywhere, hopefully in, uh, on social media to spread the word. And I'd really appreciate it personally. So if you do nothing else for
0: us, Retweet
1: this this
0: GoFundMe. <laughs> That's right. If, if you like when we have mailbag episodes, but you don't like sending questions, which I know is statistically most of you, uh, Andrew <laughs> is one of the two people who is rely, who reliably sends questions every time. That's right. So, all right. So, Doug, this time to make our rundown simpler
1: because it's kind of amorphous. I always ask Doug, audience. I always say like. Just in this uh, segment, say something you like about the Giants and something you didn't like about the Giants week, which can be really reductive and kind of silly. I don't know if this is a better tweak. You tell me. I think this segment should be called interesting and concerning. So we should say things that we saw this past week that were interesting about the Giants, interesting to us, and things that were concerning to you about the Giants. Is that better or worse?
0: I've, you know, we'll try it and find out. Okay,
1: all right. That seems knowing you as well as I do, and that's basically never seeing your face. That sounds like <laughs> a, a tepid reaction, but yeah, let's let's give it a shot. See what happens. Uh, so, Doug, what's something that interests you interested you about the Giants this week?
0: Uh, Taylor Rogers stopped being bad. That Almost was like he uh, reads your blog. Yeah, he read my blog. He read my <laughs> newsletter. He's a he's a very dedicated subscriber. And he was like, "Oh, I've been bad this year." Like he just, it just didn't didn't sink in. And so he uh, he stopped doing that for the week, which was great. Uh, obviously, we're we're recording this as we've said uh, during the the game on Sunday, so uh, we couldn't say I can't say right now whether he had a bad game on Sunday, uh, but for the rest of the week, he didn't walk a hitter, he didn't allow a home run, he was in multiple games without allowing a run. So that's what you want out of any reliever, and especially one that you uh, have signed to a three-year contract. So that is promising because one of the big, big flaws the Giants have seen in the early going has been the bullpen's inability to have anyone consistent uh, past Scott Alexander and Tyler Rogers. So if Taylor Rogers can get it going, if Camilo Duvall can sort of keep it going, he's looked a little better too, then that'll be a, a big step for the Giants' ability to actually hold leads late in games.
1: You know what happened with the uh, subscription, right? They they both, the Rogers twins, gifted giantsdug.substack.com subscriptions to each other. Yeah. So they're both readers. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. They're both readers.
1: <laughs> I mean, what you just said should be one of my interesting things, uh, but it's not but I, we should just talk about here. You mentioned Scott Alexander and Tyler Rogers. I, I kind of feel like I wish I could buy them a drink. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it. Sh- yeah. It shouldn't be that Scott Alexander is like, you know, when he's healthy, he's one of the most dominant relievers, you know, not closers, but like middle relievers in baseball. And then bam, he's staying healthy and being dominant. That's amazing. <laughs> and then Tyler Rogers. I just love that Tyler Rogers keeps shoving socks down my throat. Just, (laughs) he's like, you didn't think I was good, huh? Well, how about this? Well, how about this? (laughs) Uh, But my, my interesting, one of my interesting things, here's the format, Doug. If you didn't read the full notes, we're going to go back and forth. So my next thing is Logan Webb. He was one of the guys I was going to keep my eye on this week to see how he did. He still has a home run problem, but he looked great. He pitched into the seventh inning. He pitched seven full innings on a Saturday start against the Mets on national TV he pitched into the seventh against the Marlins. Uh, the home run he gave up to Brandon Nemo on Saturday was such bullshit. It pissed me off so much <laughs> that I'm like, okay, the ball's juiced. So the, the ball is just juiced. Yeah. But in basically 14 innings, almost 14 innings, he had 14 strikeouts, one walk. I think that's something to keep in mind when it, when you're wondering how a pitcher's doing. Look to the walks, my friend. Look. And if you see, if you see enormous numbers of walks, then a bad pitcher you have. So he's not walking guys. He has 36 strikeouts to four walks on the year. Hmm, doing some math. Uh, what is that? Nine to one strikeout to walk ratio. That's pretty good. That's outstanding. Uh, so he looked great. So that, that was one of my most
0: interesting things this week. Any more for you, Doug? J.D. Davis's defense. When yeah. the Giants got JD, J.D. Davis from the Mets. You know, he's supposed to be a, a good hitter, no platoon splits, and just a butcher in the field, kind of unplayable almost in the field. And you go, okay, you know, you hear that, you're like, well, you know, he's not worse than Darren Ruff. Uh, that's probably an upgrade. I don't know why the Mets did it. It has not gone well for them. Giants also got prospects. And you kind of just make your peace with, well, another guy's not very good on the field. And this year, he's been spectacular third base. He's, he's been in the, in the early going first three weeks, like gold go, glove caliber, third base. Has he ever been good at third base in his life? I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> in high school. Um, I would
1: say in high school, he would have had to have been right. They he, wouldn't have played. Yeah. He wouldn't have played there. Right. right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I, as a professional, every position he's been at, the, the scouting report has been, universally been, he's a disaster. He gets to the Giants, um, I don't remember how he looked last year at third. I remember him being better than I expected, but that doesn't necessarily mean good. Mm-hmm. Um, like he knew what a baseball was if it was hit at him. So that was, you know, I was led to believe he would not. And this year he's, he's been great. Um, I don't know what the giants did. I don't know how they've been, they've been with, you know, Kai Correa. I know, I know it used to be Ron Wotus who who's in charge of infield defense. Now it's maybe Kai Correa. Um, but they've done an amazing job turning him into a, a plus defender.
1: My last one was uh, Tyro Estrada. Now Tyro Estrada offensively has not really had a fantastic week, except for Sunday's game where he hit a home run. Uh, but he had six hits this just the past week, seven hits at least. Not not great. His win probability average was was below. You know it was negative. I don't know what the home run gave him but he is one of the Giants most valuable hitters in the early part of the season. He's got energy, you know, um he's looked he's looked good. Um any anything else interesting?
0: No. Okay.
1: <laughs> I had one more interesting thing. It it's it's speaking to what we've already been talking about. The Giants look like they should be slightly better than their record, which I know is damning with yes. faint praise, but they they really should be just a little bit better. I mean, before, and I'm going to get into this in the next bit, but before fans start you know, sitting back and throwing peanut shells at me and and burping, whatever, you look up and down. It's basically a a league average pitching staff and very close to a league average offense. And then I do a weekly stat cast thing every week, and I get it. People don't want to look at the analytics. They don't want to hear anything about, based on you know everything i learned about baseball i learned by the time i was 20 and i'm not going to learn anything new i understand that it's human nature (laughs) but it's also like everyone else looks to these things and if you want to look at i don't want to look at batting average to tell me if a player is good or not i want to know if a player is going to be good that is what i watch baseball for is like is this guy having a bad week a bad day or whatever and i if i look at the advanced statistics it actually brings me some comfort to know that "Oh, oh no no this is this guy hits the ball hard. So just looking at the underlying numbers, I guess you could say, the Giants have looked fine. And to that point, Elliot Ramos, who was optioned yesterday, that is not a punishment option. I mean, they obviously needed the space for Jock Peterson, a much better hitter, to be clear. No, I'm not making an argument that Elliot Ramos is a good hitter, but he had such an interesting call up in his nine games. Doug, he's hitting the ball harder and in the air and playing solid defense. (laughs) I mean, I look at that and I go, I go, huh. Maybe he's slowly getting better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you really can't complain about um, the process. You know, I mean, obviously you want the results to be a little better than Ramos showed, but he was doing the things that you want him to do to have success. Um, and, uh, And so you have to kind of be excited to see him again when he comes back up, whenever that is.
1: And you have to hope he carries it on. Okay, let's move on to some concerning things that we saw. And this list could be long, but Doug, what's what's one thing that concerned you about the Giants this past week?
0: It's uh, really hard <laughs> to not say. Michael Conforto dropping a fly ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as we're recording this, Michael Conforto just dropped the fly ball in the top of the fourth in Sunday's game. That allowed a run. To, well, a run would have come in anyway, but the Giants would have gotten an out, and it would be two outs, and uh probably first and second instead of bases loaded, one out. So that was distracting.
1: Uh, I think the most concerning thing. I mean, we could go up and down the list, I guess, and and pick out one thing. You know, I'll, but I'll start with this. I'm I'm concerned about Brandon Crawford, and I yeah. it's more it's more he has little pockets of looking fine and then pockets of looking bad. And it seems now we're maybe after the first couple of weeks, he's kind of gotten it back up to 50, 50 or the first week or so it's back up to 50, 50 good and bad, but it's still pretty concerning. I mean, he's the 36 year old shortstop. The fact that he's showing any glimpses of being solid is maybe surprising, but I, the giants need him to be more than 50% of the time serviceable player. So, that was concerning.
0: So I would say David VR's week was concerning. David VR you know with the emergence of of JD Davis being a a plus defender that sort of takes the pressure off VR a little bit, but the Giants still need some production out of their farm system. Um and VR had a had a good first week or so in the, this year and since then it's it's been pretty rough for him. He had a bad week over the last week. Two
1: two hits in 20 plate appearances uh, yeah. on top of uh, nine strikeouts.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, 45% strikeout rate. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and it's not like you're watching and be like, oh, he's just some hard hit outs. It's not hard hit outs. He's, he doesn't look good. No. So it can, it can happen that sometimes guys, you know, go through something and rebound. I don't want to say it's not going to happen, but. VR kind of had a lot of promise in the early going and it's been tough to watch him this week.
1: I mean, this sort of happened to him last year. He could be sent down, make some adjustments, come back and be okay. That's a very big possibility. He does have an option, and yeah. I think this episode's coming out the morning of when we're gonna find out. It could happen after the game on Sunday night. I don't know. Where, you know, the Giants need two spots and to get Mitch Haniger and Austin Slater back on the roster. So we might see some moves there. That's a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge David VR guy, or I was very much excited about what he could do this season. But uh, I think the week was rough enough where it's like, hmm, might need some more work. The other one for me is probably more of a scolding thing, and I, I hate that I'm doing it on along the lines of Mitch Haniger and Austin Slater. <laughs> the reaction to either of those guys, the, the it's just online chatter. Oh, those guys are... The- guys the Giants are counting on to be good this year, then they're in deep trouble already. Those guys are bums. And I don't know. I think <laughs> I I tried to make them as stupid as sound as stupid as the comment is. And I hope I nailed it. I don't know. But listen, Mitch Haniger is an injury prone guy who's not going to amount to probably not amount to what the Giants are paying him over the next three years. But they got him because when he does play, he would probably theoretically be one of the top 50 hitters in the league. He has the power, you know, he has the dy- the dynamism. He doesn't have a uh, reverse. He doesn't have a platoon split. He's in the J.D. Z- JD Davis zone. It's not a great defender, but he's kind of maybe serviceable, especially at Oracle, maybe in left field. I'm not sure what they're planning to do with him there, but they can also DH him. And then you've got Austin Slater, who has been one of the better hitters against left-handed pitching since 2020 since 2019 really, but it's not on the giants good against left-handed pitching. I'm talking about in baseball, you know, and he is they, they're not using him to be a star player. This is not running Gorky's Hernandez out there every day to fill a lineup spot. Cause they've got nobody else as a pr- platoon guy on the other half of Mikey Stremski, Austin Slater, very useful. Mitch Hanniger, I get it. I understand, The Giants like him, though. They signed him to be the complimenting piece to Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa, which, again, you can (laughs) laugh at. But evaluation wise, he's supposed to be a middle of the lineup guy. So what was concerning to me is, okay, the Giants are getting back to their full lineup and you can. And people are saying, like, that's a joke of a full lineup. And I'm like, but it's the one they have. (laughs) (laughs) You can criticize the team all you want, but it's like they're not playing with their full roster. So are we really getting a fair, like it's both early in the season and they don't have all their guys. So is this a fair look at what the team is or could be? And I would say, no, logically, no. <laughs> and it's just very frustrating to go far inside. He's been running the team since the end of 2018, since 2019, you saw what he could do. If all the pieces are working and healthy and all that stuff. And even last year, I, I don't know if you agree with me, Doug, even last year, that team was garbage. And schematic wise, whatever their math modeling is, that still the fact that they were able to pull 81 wins out of that shows that the their process has some positive effect. So why not see what it looks like when they've got all the pieces in there? That was concerning to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that people um, yeah, are that I, dumb I, still.
0: <laughs> I want to say your impression of the dumb online guy also sounds like an impression of Brian Sabian. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> um so I love that. Um but also yeah, I mean, the team so this team was was built to have Haniger and Slater against the lefties or else they were going to have a hole there. They knew that. Those were the guys they were counting on. They've been out. Um and so to say, oh, obviously this team sucks with they can't do lefties. Yeah, cuz two of their best guys against lefties are out. Like they they were counting on them, and you know Yastrzemski's not gonna be do what, what Slater will do against left-handers. It just kind of is what it is. So I mean, can you can you criticize the Giants for relying on guys to be healthy? I mean, I guess I I don't know. Like it seems like most teams would need guys to stay healthy, but uh, if that's the criticism, fine. I guess they don't have the depth. Okay.
1: This is my response to the depth question. Well, first of all, you're right, but also what would, what would an acceptable player look like to cause that criticism not to appear a guy like Austin Slater or Marco Luciano stepping forward and being a four win player. And I, I guarantee you the giants would love to have either of those guys. (laughs) either of those situations and they don't, but that's what you're saying. It's like, why would they need an Austin Slater? It's like, well, they either need an Austin Slater type from their minors or just an all star, which is Mitch Hanneker. And that's so you know what I mean? Like, it's just frustrating. We, we've been through this. The giants can't develop players. So they have to go buy a guy like Mitch Hanager. And it's a good thing that Bobby Evans did not trade off Austin Slater because Far anxiety has a guy like him to come in and compliment and fill out the other half of the platoon. So I I have one more concerning thing. Did you have another concerning thing?
0: Yeah. So my, my last concerning thing was um, Sean Maniah has fallen apart in each of his last two starts. And that's, that's not ideal. You know, he's gotten into a little bit of trouble and just, not been able to get out of it and he looked good his first couple well his his first start he looked good you know his first appearances against the White Sox that like two inning relief piggybacking thing but like he looked really good against the Royals he looked good in the early going in Detroit and then he ran into a hiccup and you kind of excuse that you go well okay sometimes it happens and then something similar happened against the Mets um, and he was he's one of the guys not to pile on Larry Bear but he's one of the guys who Larry Bear was like well sure we didn't get Correa but when you see how it all comes together with the guys we did get and you're like yeah but it needs to come together a little better uh with Sean Maniah. so that that was a little concerning like his velocity was up his, st- his stuff looked good at the beginning and then it kind of fell apart and the team needs him to be a starter right now so it was it's not been fun to watch
1: my last concerning thing is the attendance. Um, I know it seems silly, but they had the Mets in town for four games and they didn't have any sellouts. One of the games was a nationally televised Saturday afternoon game with the ace pitcher on the mound, and they drew under 30,000. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little bit more in this next bit, the A's. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the A's because uh, in, the, in the dead of night, the A's tried to escape to Las Vegas by making this big announcement that they've secured a binding agreement to buy land for a future stadium in Las Vegas. I mean, let's for a moment and in a moment, let's talk about the shitty hand. The A's fans have been dealt, but I want to tack it on to my last concerning thought here. The giants are definitely happy about this. The giants organization, because now they're the only game in town and I think it's kind of uh, that Spock saying, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. And the Giants have so badly wanted to be the only game in town, and they can't even sell at their own stadium uh, when they're ostensibly better than the A's. And so, I don't know. It seems like an all-time bag fumble coming up here. But let's talk about the, the one that's actually happening. The, the A's trying to basically hold a gun to Las Vegas to get,
0: to get this deal through. Yeah, it, uh, it sucks. Um, (laughs) It's clear that ever since the current ownership group of the A's has been in place, they have viewed the team as nothing more than a way to leverage real estate. That's the entire purpose. That's the only thing they want. They don't give one single solitary shit about baseball, but Lou Wolf wanted a stadium in Fremont. So he could own the land. It didn't work out. And now John Fisher wants land, wants a stadium in Las Vegas so he can own the land. It's awful. It's why you look at baseball, you go, well, we're going to get these business people out of here. Because business people don't care about the product on the field. They care about money. And it's one of those... It's kind of a sign of the decline of, of American society, I will say. That... <laughs> That you have a thing that's good that people like, and then you, some rich guy comes in and is like, I'm going to blow this up because I can make 3% more by blowing it up.
1: I like that. I agree. I I think the decline of, of our culture is on the global scale. I might've ranted about this before, but real estate is the uh, outside of um, the purview of, uh, f- is it fiat currency? Whatever it is, you know, currency that countries have that, you know, that's that's gobbled up by countries. Countries own currency, so money is owned by sovereign nations. But real estate is another way to move money around and build value. That that is its own form of currency, and that is what globally, if you're trying to be wealthy on a global market, owning real estate is a way of owning currency now. So I agree. It's a, it's it'd be kind of like getting the lawyers out of government. Is getting real estate people out of baseball, of owning baseball teams, because they immediately just squat with their own area of expertise, which tends to ruin it for the rest of us in a way that doesn't move things back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, it's not even a done deal. It was announced as a done deal. And I think it's pretty funny now that we're like, oh, well, we got to see, because not even the Nevada state government's like, wait, what? We got to, we got to cough up some money for this. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's how sports deals work. Yeah, guys, you got to give. You got
0: to find five hundred
1: million (laughs) dollars.
0: Start searching those couch cushions.
1: And so I'm saying all this because I have to be completely, totally, nakedly honest. This is not a Grant Brisby uh, admission where my I started off as being an A's fan. My first baseball game was a Giants as a Giants game at uh, Candlestick Park. That's not the issue. But every other person I grew up with, literally, an A's fan. And all the people who taught me about baseball outside of my dad, my dad died when I was young, like out of that, all A's fans. So the the passion and energy that I've had from baseball is because of A's fans <laughs> growing up and the A's growing up were always better than the Giants. You know what I mean? It's like when the Giants got to the World Series, it's like, well, this won't take long. And it sure didn't, <laughs> except for that, that earthquake. Uh, so, it, and for me, that's why it's always, um, annoying when A's fans have this weird chip on their shoulder. It's like I got shoved in a locker for several decades <laughs> watching, you know, by A's fans about the Giants. So the turnabout being fair play is one thing. But in this case, diehard fans, passionate fans, knowledgeable fans, uh, I, working backwards for me, it was always A's fans growing up. And just even my friends who are not into sports, they were, you know, the A's have a goofy energy about them. So for me, it, this is heartbreaking. It's infuriating and it's heartbreaking, not because I I want to root for the A's in Oakland, but because I know how much it means to a lot of people. And the Bay Area is a better market
0: with two teams in it anyway. They can, we can, the Bay Area can sustain two teams. And they just, at some point, looked at a spreadsheet and were like, okay, but what if? And, And honestly, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, the Bay Area is like the richest part of the country and Las Vegas is not. So it's just the land deal. Um, and it's sad. And again, you can see how much
1: the, that just owning property matters that John Fisher would, it's like, as long as I own land, it doesn't matter if it's undeveloped desert or in the Bay area. Right. (laughs) It's like, yeah, because I'll, I'll own it. And that's what matters. Um, and, and then also just the other part of it of just like Larry Bear sucks so much. It's just <laughs> so giving him any sort of leverage point or marketing opportunity. It's just like the Giants don't deserve this. They don't. I mean, to their absolute credit, they were able to make the most out of keeping the Giants in San Francisco.
0: And that's great. By the way, helped in part by the A's. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, know, To be <laughs>
0: fair, that wasn't out of the goodness of the A's heart. They no. thought they could tap into the Giants market in like Marin and San Francisco, if the Giants were in San Jose, they just the A's were just too stupid to put like a contingency in the territorial rights thing. That's it, right? So we
1: we all agree sports owners are stupid, and we should be rooting yes. for their their failure, which means yes. John Fisher has to fail in yeah. this move, and then the A's maybe can find some uh, solace. I mean, and then maybe I, he'll maybe
0: he'll be forced to sell the A's to Joe Lacob. Who will keep them in Oakland?
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, if the A's move, I can't imagine that that market's going to stay a one-team market forever.
0: Just seems unlikely. Yeah, For the I reasons mean, you said. it would it would be the natural place to put a when because baseball wants to expand to thirty-two teams, it's it would be natural to have a team in Oakland. Um, they just have to figure out the stadium, and if you get a rich guy who at least marginally cares about the baseball part of it, then. He could do it pretty easily, I think.
1: All right, let's talk about Madison Bumgarner being designated for assignment by the Arizona Diamondbacks.
0: Brian, I don't want him back. <laughs>
1: I, I wrote about this uh, yesterday on McCovey Chronicles, and I, obviously it's a ridiculous move. The only reason I wrote about it is because people in Bay Area media thought it worth asking current giants on the roster, Doug, while they were preparing for a game that night, if they thought that Madison Bumgarner coming back would be like a good idea. I couldn't believe oh, they asked any of the players and coaches. What did they say? <laughs> uh, uh, we like the guys we have now. We had a, we're pretty full up on the pitching side of things, you know, where yeah. we like our group. Now he's done a lot for the organization, you know, all that he's, you know, he's only 33 years old. That's something that the article pointed out, but it's, Absurd, and and uh, Wendy had mentioned last week, Giants. She had mentioned, uh, and he had written an article for SF Gate about ah, fuck it, who cares about this season? Bring bring Baumgartner back. (laughs) And and I feel like people just have to hold the line on their emotions here. What are we talking about? This guy's glory days are well in the past. One of the comments on the on the article that I had was like, well, we shouldn't tear him down. We should just honor what he did as a Giant. To which I can now say. That there was a time for that, but we are beyond that time. And the second point is, Doug,
0: am I completely out of pocket here? bump Gunner is an asshole. <laughs> he, he is. I mean, there will also be another time for that later after he after he officially retires, and the Giants bring him back for like the Wall of Fame ceremony and stuff. Like then you can honor what he did for. To- <laughs> or next year's twenty fourteen reunion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um you can honor what he did for the team then so yeah i did
1: um, yeah I did, I, mean, like the idea, I did like the idea he could come back
0: as a dh right <laughs> <laughs> i mean hey they, they do need someone who can hit lefties that's right it's right-handed so
1: <laughs> okay that we don't need to say anything else about that right <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah uh, so for this last bit you know given where the giants are at it is april you know seasons can't be uh one in april they certainly can be teams can be put well behind the eight ball though in april and the giants have six games this week four against the cardinals and then two in mexico city against the padres first time they're facing the padres this season that's six games I mean, a four and two seems like what they kind of need to do to stay. You know, they could maybe be twelve and fifteen at the end of the week. I don't know, but uh, to your what your article and your article is like very sober and it's I you know I read through it a couple of times. Be like, is there a joke in here? Are you just like (laughs) I'm just kidding? But no, you were very serious and very sober. Of of like, you know, this is not the end of the season. It's it's potentially one really bad month out of six. Uh, but, I mean, they really do have to get going
0: in a hurry here. I mean, they do. Like, you can you can make excuses for them a little bit if they go 3-3 three and three this week. You know, the Cardinals are, are good. The Padres are incredibly talented. I don't think either of them has really hit their stride yet. But, you know, those are both teams that have a lot of really good players on them. So if the Giants can sort of hold the line and then start getting on a roll against teams that are a little worse, then... I think that wouldn't be the end of the world. You kind of want to see them go four and two and start to turn it around. Um, uh, you know, Jock Peterson is back. They're expecting Slater and Hanegraaff back soon, so you want to see the offense um, do more than it has been doing. But I think I think four and two against what should be two of the better teams in the NL um, is going to be a tall order for a team that's you know they're not completely out of the woods yet. They're they're playing better right now they're they're at least being competitive in more games than they used to be but i wouldn't say I, I trust them to be at their full potential just yet if they go 3 and 3 i'll feel fine about it i would feel much better if they had a winning week obviously but you know and especially with the x factor of playing in mexico city which is a higher elevation than coors field that's going to that has the potential to just be a crazy a crazy two game series
1: Okay, so working backwards from that, this has been my the beating drum I've had all this week. I, I get it. you look at the pitching and you go, oh, the pitching is terrible it needs to get better. but Doug, I'm of the belief that no, the lineup needs to get better. They need to start hitting closer to their potential to their expectations. they're they're hitting the ball pretty hard for the most part. Uh, but yeah, that Mexico City series that those should be 14 to 12 games. Or you know nine to seven games, and I'm fine with that. But I really think the Giants can get it going and rolling. One thing about the Cardinals, they they are a good team on paper, but so far it hasn't come uh, to fruition. They're they're nine and thirteen, and uh, they're on the road. They're four and five. Uh, so you know what I mean. Like theoretically, three and one is not impossible, especially if if things keep going. But to your point, yeah, Haniger and Slater. I think Slater is probably a slightly ahead of Haniger in terms of the the prep time. Uh, he's had a few more rehab games, I believe. So, and also he would be used in, in more of the platoon role anyway. I think once Haniger comes in, they're just going to drop him in and try to play him, you know, two out of three days to start, and then they'll start playing every day. Uh, but I think that they just got to start hitting the ball more more consistently. Cut down on the strikeouts somehow. That they, when they're making contact, they're doing damage. So that's what I really hope to see happen this week is the the lineup that's going.
0: Yeah, the I mean, more. both both sides both sides have been kind of disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag both sides. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think the lineup is the one you kind of expect to turn around faster.
1: Yes, because you know what? That's my bigger point. Yes. Yeah. Cause I think the, the juiced ball and the defense, all that, like the, you've got to work out on that It might take a couple of months for everyone to settle in and figure out what the new normal is, but hitting the baseball is hitting the baseball, you know? So, exactly. <laughs> uh, anything you want to preview on uh, your sub stack this week?
0: I have no idea what I'm going to write about this week.
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's going to be topical. Probably. <laughs> Well, I'll
1: definitely be doing the series previews and I'll be looking at the StatCast from the past week to see if there's any gems in there. I already mentioned Elliot Ramos, but the reason why I kept him in mind this past week is because he had an interesting week when he came up his first week. So it's just stuff like that I, I tend to look at and I go, oh, this guy in, in all the games this week, he popped up. He had a lot of hard hit balls, that kind of thing. But one more time before we sign off, definitely go check out the GoFundMe that that Drew had Andrew Bader had sent us. It's Lucille Wiley. She's the organizer for the fundraiser. Gofundme.com forward slash the letter F as in free forward slash my dash family dash start dash over. And again, the goal is 25000 and they're up to about 17300 If you can donate anything, that'd be great. And if not, try to spread the word if you are able. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants.